Blog Talk Radio. my friends. Uh, the opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. If you want to order a copy, contact them directly, Save, S-A-V-A-E dot org. And I also found them on Facebook. They do live shows, which would be great. You can also listen to them for free on YouTube. And I got my CD on Amazon, so you can go on Amazon to find them, Native Angels by Save. 
And as I said, good morning. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenet that Sunday is a day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. We do that every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. All faiths are welcome, and I am Christian Recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but you can use any Bible you wish, of course. Um, I have had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude, we've just been doing ongoing Bible readings, and this morning we will be in Galatians. Uh, I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. And uh, the calling number this morning, if you have a prayer or any comments, 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So for our opening prayer, let's say together, as we bow our heads and close our eyes. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Amen. We pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide, and everybody persecuted for that matter. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. Those whose lives are taken for distorted or evil reasons, and we believe these people that are killed for their Christianity are martyrs. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. Pray for those who are sick in mind and body, and also those that are lonely and uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes, and we pray for freedom from addiction of all kinds. And then, please, God, we ask that your mighty Archangel Michael fight against evil and protect all of us, and that all your angels to watch over everybody. And our prayers are out to all the ones who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. Please, God, have mercy. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers, that they have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. We want to thank you for everything you've given us, God. We appreciate it, and thank you, our heavenly blessed Jesus. We ask him to bless us and help us grow under his care, and everyone and their families are in our prayers. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I we have some birthdays today, so if it's your birthday today, I want to say happy birthday. God bless you, and may you have a very prosperous year ahead, and that includes John Smith, Robin Cole, Robert Temple, and Curtis Dunn. Happy birthday, everybody. And if you want me to do an announcement of any more birthdays or anniversaries, just let me know. And if you have a special prayer request or positive intention, the number this morning is 619-924-9744. And if you don't have a Bible there, I do have a site that I go to, and it's a Bible concordance. You can pull up Galatians there, and it's www.biblia.com. Now, you know, uh, let's uh, review last week. We finished the end of Second uh, Corinthians, and we were in Corinthians a very long time. Uh, but these next chapters are going to be kind of short, but they're intense, and we're going to start with Galatians. And I'll read you the introduction as it is uh, written in my Bible, and I, do, I use the Ryrie Study Bible. Anyway, the author is Paul. 
and the dates are between 49 or 55. Um, Galatia. At the time of the writing of this letter, the term Galatia both used in geographical and political sense. The former referred to the North Central Asia Minor, north of the cities of uh, Vesadian, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Der- uh, Derby. The latter referred to the Roman providence organized in 25 BC. That included southern districts and the cities just mentioned. If the letter was written to Christians in North Galatia, the churches were founded on the second missionary journey, and the epistle was written in the third missionary journey, either early from Ephesus, about A.D. 53, or later about 55 from Macedonia. In favor of this fact is that Luke seems to use Galatia only described North Galatia. If the if the letter is written to Christians in South Galatia, the churches were founded on the first missionary journey. The letter was written after the end of the journey, probably from Antioch, uh, making it the earliest of Paul's epistles. And the Jerusalem Council, that means Acts 15, convened shortly afterward. In favor of this dating is the fact that Paul does not mention the decision of the Jerusalem Council, council that bore directly on his Galatian argument concerning the Judaizers, indicating that the council has not yet taken place. Okay, now this is the problem. How can men, sinful by nature, come to God, holy by nature? Paul's answer is this. There is only one way, except the salvation of God's grace makes available through Christ's death and resurrection. Forget about the merit of salvation through the obedience of the law of Moses. Man is too too weak by nature to to accomplish self-salvation and self-sanctification. Certain Jewish Christians, the Judaizers, were teaching that such works were necessary, that Paul's gospel was not correct, and that he was not a genuine apostle. Paul's answer was to proclaim the doctrine of justification by faith, plus nothing, and the sanctification of Holy Spirit, not the Mosaic Law. This answer is given the full apostolic authority received from Christ. All theologies that teach salvation by faith plus human effort were forcefully negated by this great letter. Okay, the contents, and then it goes on to the contents. So um, this is my uh, summary of this whole chapter, and it's from www.shmoop.com. And uh, they're, they're telling these are students from Harvard that go and study all this, and this is their summary. Hello, my name is Paul. Greetings from Paul. He's an apostle sent by God, and he's totally ready to rock this whole disciple Christ, of Christ thing. This time he's writing to the churches of Galatia, but he's not too thrilled with what's been going on there. Well, it seems that the Galatians have been turning their backs on God and putting their faith in a twisted version of the gospel. Say it ain't so, Galatians. Let Paul, Paul be clear. There's only one gospel. It's the one Paul told them about. Just because someone comes along and starts spouting off all kinds of random ideas about Jesus, that doesn't make it true. Even an angel from heaven who teaches them the wrong things about Jesus is going to get a smackdown from God. This goes double for any humans trying to pervert God's message about Jesus. Seriously, naysayers, God is not amused. Look, guys, Paul is not trying to win any popularity contests here, as we know, because he's been really kind of angry the last few letters. He's just going to doing what the big guy told him to do. That's God. After all, Paul didn't get this info from just anywhere. He got it from Jesus Christ himself. And then now he's going to tell the Galatians a little bit about his past. 
Paul is pretty sure the Galatians know about his past, but he's going to tell them again anyhow. Just bet once more for good measure. Back in the day, Paul was a super devout Jew who persecuted Christians on the side. Uh-huh. He was uber pious and totally loved Jewish law, even more than most Jews. But when God sent him a vision of Jesus, everything changed. He started preaching the good news about Jesus right away, and he didn't hightail it to Jerusalem to meet Jesus' disciples there. He went out on his own and spread the good word. Paul's a rebel like that. He just does what he's been told by God. Three years after his conversion, he did take a quick trip to Jerusalem, but he only met with Cephas, remember, also known as Simon Peter, Jesus' right-hand man from all the Gospels, and James, Jesus' brother. But that was it. No one else in Jerusalem saw him. Plus, he only stayed there for 15 days. So really, the trip was no big deal. If the Christians in Jerusalem had to pick him out of the lineup, they wouldn't be able to do it at all. All they knew was about Paul is that he was used to spend his free time watching Christians get executed, and now he's praising Jesus. So that's like the biggest, the miracle that we'll be talking about. So now it's time to get your Bibles out. So we're going to turn to Galatians. My Bible is showing the map and everything else of what's been going on. Okay, letter to the Galatians, introduction of the rightness of Paul's book is asserted. So as we turn to our page, we're on Galatians 1. Paul, an apostle, and all the brethren who are with me, the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for your sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who have called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not really another, only there are some who who are disturbing you and you want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to the, you to the gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As I have said before, so I say again now, if any man preaching to you the gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For I am now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? But if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bound servant of Christ. And this part is now going to justification by faith that defended Paul's authority. And then his authority is acquired through revelation. Okay, now we're up to uh, Galatians 1, uh, verse 11. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was nor I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard my former manner in the life of Judaism, now I used to prosecute. Now uh, how I used to prosecute, persecute. Sorry, the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous, zealous in my ancestral traditions. But when God, who who had set me apart from even my mother's womb, and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal. There's his son in me, so that I may preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem 
to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. I But I did not see any other apostles except for James and the Lord's brother. Now, in what I'm writing to you, I assure you before God that I'm not lying. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith, which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Some powerful part of this letter. Okay, so let's read the notes. And that must have been a, a quite a sight to see him now preaching God and preaching and now and being a Jew and persecuting uh, Jesus and all Christians, remember? Then Jesus came to him in a vision and knocked him off his horse, really. And uh, now they're seeing him, you know, preaching Jesus. It's, it must have been a shock and also a great lesson to others. So the note turn on the bottom is, Paul's apostleship was not for men. For example, he did not originate from any man, but from God. Though it would be an agency of man, it was not mediated to any man, but came directly from Jesus Christ. In this greeting, Paul neatly summarizes his whole preaching message. And then, deserting him who called you, God the Father. They were deserting grace, they retreated to law, and they bore the responsibility of, for their deception. Because remember, we get all of this by grace. And we do studying and we do submit to God's word and and we actually talk to each other and help boost each other up. You know, but nothing takes the place of the grace of God. And this is a curse and it's an anthema devoted to destruction. Ecclesiastically is accompanied by excommunication. Those who do not love the Lord will be accursed. And so that's what he's just speaking about very harshly. And then uh, one ten, seeking favor of men. By toning down his message, Paul was being accused of preaching a cheap form of mission to God's kingdom. He counters by saying that he was a bondservant of Christ or or slave. And how can this cross centered cross centered way be viewed as seeking to please men? In the verse in these verses, he's talking about one, uh, chapters 11, uh, chapter one, eleven through seventeen. In these verses, Paul defends his authority as an apostle. And on the other hand, he shows that his teaching was not derived from any human agency. And on the other, it was acknowledged by other apostles as truly from God. And then since Paul received his message and authority from Christ, how could the Galatians question either? And then uh, at one fifteen, Paul was apart from birth from his work. And then Arabia. This can mean anywhere from the kingdom of from near Damascus down to the Sinaitic uh, Peninsula. Uh, Paul's intent was not to pinpoint the location, but to emphasize that it was a place in contrast to Jerusalem where there was no apostle to instruct him. In Arabia, he was alone with God, thinking through his implications of his encounter with the risen Christ on Damascus Road. Remember, he was on the road to Damascus to actually... Uh, or the death of more Christians when he struck the source and struck blind. Anyway, though not mentioned in the Acts, this period in Paul's life would probably fit between Acts 9.22 and 9.23. And now we're up to 1.18. This passage is Paul's account of his uh, relations with the Jerusalem apostles. 
though independent of man, Paul makes clear that he is within the stream of apostolic tradition represented by James, Peter, and John. And then one Paul was to become acquainted with him rather than to confer with him. I mean, I also saw James and Lord Taft's brother in the churches. And uh, let's see, in the South and Syria and Sincere. I went to Tarsus, his home city, and that's it. And that brings us to Galatians uh, 2. It will be next time, that'll be next week. And I have just a few little more minutes, and I want to read it out of this little prayer book. It's the, the Bible Promise Book for Tough Times, and I'm just going to pick a story. And then for guidance, it tells us, um, if you wish someone would show you the way, with your unselling love, you led the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. That was Exodus fifteen thirteen. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. That's beautiful. Okay, Psalm 32, 8. And then Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. That's John eight twelve. And then when you're uncertain of the direction your life is going, God is our God forever and ever. He will guide us until we die. And that's Psalms 48, uh, 14. We can never forget that we're getting heavenly help at all times. And then it says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. And that's Psalms 138. And now let's go to another topic. Pain. When you wonder if the pain will ever go away. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles and you care about the anguish of my soul. Psalms 31.7. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever, as 2 Corinthians 4.17. And in his kindness, God called you to share your, his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. That's 1 Peter 5.10. And then this last one is, God will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying and pain. All these things will be gone forever, and that's Revelation, which we will get to uh, as we make our way through the Bible. And let's do, I have about five minutes left, so I'll try to find a little short story here. Out of our trusty uh, guideposts. And... Let me see. Okay, let's read this. This is called The Divine Touch, and it's by, it's by Nancy Sullivan Gang, Bloomington, Minnesota. And I thank Nancy for this. Anyway, the winter 10 years ago got so cold that ice formed inside the window uh, kitchen window panes. Gasoline froze in the tank of my husband's car. Bare little limbs snapped in the, by the breeze, and these casters worn of wind chill and frostbite. Despite the bitter weather, I walked each morning alone through our new neighborhood, dressed in layers of down and wool. I walked and I walked. 
maybe define the elements made me has like some kind of control over my life. That year I lost two loved ones to death. Our first baby was born with Down syndrome. As much as I loved our child, I still felt stunned. God seemed to conceal, hidden somewhere in this cold, cold winter of death and disappointment. So I trudged in solitude day after freezing day, only in front of a stranger's blue-shuttered brick house that I become gradually aware of a presence, a kind of peace. And while my breath froze in the air, a simple a spiritual warmth filled me. Here, for a brief moment each morning, I felt something promising, hopeful, reassuring, and I didn't know why. Spring came, the children pedaled bicycles on the sidewalk, men swung golf clubs on the green fairways, and I exchanged my down and left wool layers for jerseys and faded blue jeans. One morning, I took my newborn Sarah with me on my walk, and in the bright sunlight in front of the brick house, I saw a mother playing with her young twin daughters. I watched as she gently guided the girls' hands over roof and offered them lilac blooms to smell. And when I realized the children were blind, the, the mother greeted me with a wave. May they touch your baby, she asked, and the girl softly stroked Sarah's face, brushed her fine chestnut hair, and held her tiny pink hands. Their mother spoke about it had been like when her children were born. It was an unexpected blessing she found in those early years. In adversity, we must be alert, she says, for God will find a way and somehow touch us. I wonder if I should tell her about my walks, she, I was thinking. Finally, I said, last winter when I passed by your home each morning, I felt strangely reassured and comforted. I felt warmed. My new friend smiled and said, you must be the person I felt compelled to pray for this winter, she said. I thought someone in this neighborhood was going through a difficult time, and now I know it was you. We do have to remember to pray for each other. And when prompted, I have many, many times walked past a stranger and felt they needed my prayers, and I've prayed for them. And I, I want to remind you to do the same. Let's just pray for each other. So in closing, let's say this serenity prayer as we think of those who are suffering and who those are that are in need, and as we humbly submit to God and give him all of our troubles and just trust and trust and just move forward. Grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change, the courage to change the things that can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you. And may your best dream comes true and true love live in your heart. Remember, I'm here every morning. It's on Sundays, 11 a.m. I'll see you next week. And keep me in your prayers, friends. I, I really do appreciate it. And um, my book uh, that I've really uh, said many of my stories I've added them here is actually at the editors and we've picked out the cover and I hope that you enjoy it when it finally gets uh, printed and uh, I'll tell you more about that when um, it's going to be available on Amazon and everything. Anyway, keep me in your prayers. God bless you. Love you. Take care. Amen. Thank you.